forever. Dog. Hey folks, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and host of the Writers Panel. Thanks as always for listening. Um, we've got some great episodes coming up in the coming months. Um, I hope you'll really enjoy them. I'll be honest with you, some of these I was not looking forward to, and they turned out to be great. Um, it's always fun to have these conversations about the business and process of writing, uh, how people figure out how to tell the stories that they want to tell. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoyed having these uh, upcoming conversations, and I hope you enjoy listening to them. Um, it's spring. Things are okay. I keep hearing people want to get back to normal, but I don't think there's any going back to normal. Um, and that goes for both the business and the world. Uh, you know, the business is still figuring itself out. And now it's not so much about the pandemic, which is nice, um, but about these huge streamers figuring out what they want and what works and what people are watching. Um, and I think the answer is the same as it's always been. Yes, I have the answer. I think someone should just ask me. But the answer is the same as it's always been. And that is people want to watch something that speaks to them. And that's not something you can manufacture. And I think the one thing that the huge hits of the past few years, whether it's Bridgerton or Ted Lasso or Squid Game, um, is that they are wholly the vision of a writer. Um, not that, like, I, I do not ascribe to a tour theory, um, but I think that you have to have a strong vision at the head of your production, right? That's the showrunner's job. That's the show creator's job. Everyone else is there to help that person see their vision on the screen. Um, and I think that's what those shows do, and I think that's what people respond to. Um, even, I mean, this is even true of reality TV. You know, like, you look at the success of Survivor, and yes, at first it was the novelty of it, but that was 20 years ago. But that is Jeff Probst's show. Um, it is the show that he wants to make, and we all get to enjoy that vision, right? It's just it's just happenstance that we all respond to it and that he's a talented guy. And, you know, as are the creators of these other great shows, Russian Doll and Better Call Saul. Um, yeah, I think that's where we're at. And I think the key is to, is for these streamers and these networks to let people or help people make the show that they want to make, right? It's to trust the creators. And I think we had a really great run of that for a while that I think we took for granted. Um, I think the heyday of the celebrity showrunner has passed, uh, maybe, sadly, for this, this podcast. But the creators are out there. And I think if the buyers can trust the creator's vision and, you know, not make us prove ourselves doing a ton of work beforehand, they're going to see something. Like, whether whether they respond to a pitch or a script or something, but, like, development shouldn't take years and years. Because the, you're, creating, you're, you're making a show for a target that doesn't exist. People are going to come to you. 
I don't know. Uh, it's something I've been thinking about. It's something I've been, um, I really believe in, uh, especially these past few years that like you, you just got to write the thing that you love. You got to write the thing that you want to see. Um, and that's what I've been doing. And I hope that's what you've been doing. And for sure, that is what the folks I've been talking to have been doing. Um, so hopefully you find inspiration in these conversations as I have. And hopefully you get out there and write your stuff too. Do it. Find me on Twitter at Ben Blacker. Please continue to leave reviews for this podcast on iTunes and elsewhere. It's really helpful to us so we can keep it going. Um, we'll have lots more stuff to talk about in the future, but find me on Twitter again. And, and like, let's talk about the business and let's talk about TV and tell me what you're enjoying and tell me who you want to hear on this program. I always love to know what you're watching. Thanks for listening. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, I'm thrilled to talk to the team behind The Chelsea Detective, uh, all of which, uh, all four episodes of which are now streaming on Acorn, uh, and they're all also out in the UK. Um, what we're going to do is have you introduce yourselves on the microphone so the listener knows what you sound like. Tell us who you are and where folks may have seen your name on their television screen in the past. Hey, so, uh, uh, well, I'm Peter Fincham, and uh, I'm both the creator of the series and the executive producer, and I wrote uh, the third episode of it. Uh, oh, where have people seen me in the past? Well, uh, I've done a lot of things in television, but um, uh, I commissioned Downton Abbey. How about that? That would be a good <laughs> reference point. Because I used to work on the broadcast side for the commercial broadcaster ITV. Um, uh, so I guess that would be the thing uh, that people might might most likely know me from. Yeah, and as a producer, I'm sure folks have seen your name all over shows that they uh, love and watch, and they should go look up your credits on IMDb from when you were at BBC and ITV. Uh, folks will be thrilled to see all the things you got to work on. Hi, I'm Liz Lake, and um, I'm a writer on Chelsea Detective, uh, where you might have seen my name before, broadly over um, a, a kind of a a cross-section of, of British drama. Um, if anybody was into, if I'm going back, anybody was into Footballers' Wives, I wrote um, the lion's share of that and Bad Girls and uh, things that you might know more in the States, I suppose would be EastEnders and Call the Midwife, Waterloo Road, uh, Riviera, um, obviously Chelsea Detective. <laughs> and it's, it, yeah, it's a long and impressive list. Thank you. It's fun when it isn't torturous, as I'm sure, <laughs> as I'm sure every other writer would say. Oh, we'll get into it. Hello, I am Glenn Laker. Um, so I worked on Vera before, uh, a couple of years on, on Vera. Um, I also wrote uh, the PBS and ITV uh, miniseries um, Prime Suspect 1973, which I think was called Prime Suspect Tennyson mm -hmm. in the States. Um, and I've also worked on Good Karma Hospital, uh, Home Fires, Holby City, um, and uh, wrote the first two episodes of the first series of uh, The Chelsea Detective. Yeah, thanks. Um, 
Again, a, a long and impressive list of credits. Uh, so thank you all thank for you. being here. Lots to talk about, but let's start with Chelsea Detective and how this came together, how this team came together. Um, and I, I assume, Peter, as the creator, it started with you. Yeah, it, it started um, with uh, a kind of feeling that there's a certain sort of detective series um, that I personally love and that there's not enough of, which is, um, uh, you could call it an intelligent detective series where uh, you're in a world where interesting murders happen and kind of real three-dimensional characters uh, um, kind of try to solve them. So this isn't one of those series that's, you know, halfway to comedy. It's certainly got humorous elements in it. And, and I, I feel it, it, it lies in a tradition uh, that goes back to Inspector Morse, say. And when I was uh, at ITV, I commissioned Vera, which Glenn worked on, which was really a good reference point, one of my favourite series. So I kind of started with that. And then um, uh, quite quickly, I, I kind of thought, you don't see many of these things set in London. Uh, there's there's real, really good reasons for that. London's very difficult to film in. When you tell your head of production, we're going to set this in London, uh, they basically fall off their chair and say, are you mad? Um, uh, so you don't often see them set in London. Uh, and then I kind of had this notion of, of, of Chelsea as being a really interesting place. Um, it's kind of well-known and iconic, but nothing like this had ever been set in it. I actually live uh, uh, myself in Notting Hill and, you know, Richard Curtis's film, Notting Hill, suddenly sort of put that on the map. I mean, Notting Hill had been here all along. Um, but suddenly, you know, you associate it with something. I thought to a degree we could do the same thing with Chelsea, uh, which has got a kind of uh, um, a lot of wealthy people in it, but it's got much more range and variety than that. It's very interesting. There's lots of institutions in it, lots of uh, um, newish money, old money, historic houses, beautiful parts of it, uh, but it's not all beautiful. Then I kind of thought, Let's, what if this detective lives in a houseboat on the river? Um, uh, I thought that would be really interesting because he's sort of in, in Chelsea, but he isn't in Chelsea. He's also on a little island. Um, and along with that came the idea, why had he moved into this houseboat? He'd, he'd separated from his wife. She'd kept the apartment. He hadn't. He'd moved into the houseboat. And I thought we could play that really nicely. Um, um, that would they get back together or wouldn't they? Um, I didn't want him divorced as such. Um, uh, and then the, the team kind of developed around. Um, Glenn came on board early on and brought some really key elements to that, uh, which, which, he, which he can talk about. And it kind of gradually emerged um, from that and decisions about, um, you know, how they would um, how they would solve crimes and what their particular characters were. Uh, Priya, who works with Max, I, um, I actually had a colleague at ITV called Priya. Um, uh, it's the only character based on somebody you could say is real. And she was, I really liked her. She was quite feisty and uh, ambitious. Um, and she would somehow let you know quite early on that she was head girl of Streatham High School. Now, Streatham's in South London. This is like going from Manhattan to the Bronx or whatever. So I thought, why don't we put her in South London where she has to cross the bridge to the foreign country that is Chelsea um, and, and make her 
uh, very different to Max. They're very, they're very contrasting, um, very contrasting people, but they get on very well. And another thing that I was very, very keen on was that we showed there's a lot of detectives who are, well, you said we could swear, who are assholes, assholes, as you would call them. They kind of shouted all their junior, you know, all the uh, other people and their kind of mavericks and uh, they're almost, you know, impossible to get on with. And I thought, I think we wanted to create a sense of a modern work environment, sort of a respectful work environment. Max, um, he has his eccentricities, but he treats his team very well. He wants them to all excel. Uh, that's Jess and Connor as well. Um, and he and he encourages them. And he sees himself as the very much the leader of a team rather than the big I am, if you like. So there were, there were things there that we wanted to do that were different to uh, a lot of detective series and gave, uh, we, you know, we, we think gave it a lot of modernity there. Um, so I, maybe I should shut up there, Ben, because uh, yeah, that's very much where it's, I don't want to use up the entire podcast, <laughs> uh, how it came about. As I say, when when Glenn came aboard, he brought some really crucial elements to that as well. Yeah, let's let's get into that. And Glenn, what were you doing at the time? And um what what did you sort of latch on to uh, that Peter had already come up with, and and how did you find your way into the series? So I I I just finished um, running a writers' room on a series in Holland, which wasn't made, but we uh, wrote all eight episodes, uh, and then right. another similar series came uh, uh, came out on HBO, so it was shelved. So I came back to the UK and I was working on a couple of shows, one of which was with um, Peter's production company, Expectation. Um, And we developed that for about nine months and then reached uh, an impasse with the rights. There was was a bit of a a complication with the rights. And and so whilst we were sorting that out, uh, they asked me, would you be interested in having a read of this thing that, that, that Peter's created? Um, and I came in and uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's pro- probably the one time in my career that I've, that I've been um, in the right room at, at the right time. So I, I came in, I met Peter and the rest, the rest of the team, uh, pitched pitch them some ideas. Um, really liked uh the premise of it being you know um inspector morse and colombo and um and and from working on on vera uh the same as peter i i really missed writing those though those big feature length crime dramas Mm -hmm. because because i think i think aside from vera there's nothing else on uk tv at the moment i think lewis has finished morse is long gone so to get a chance to come in and write a ninety-minute uh, crime uh, uh, crime drama was great. So I so I came in, I pitched some ideas. So um, my my wife and my eldest son are dyslexic. So I pitched the idea of of making Max dyslexic and how that informs his his investigation and and his technique. That everything is visual. That as mm-hmm. much as possible he avoids. Uh, uh, writing stuff down, including uh, uh, avoiding writing reports. Um, he relies upon Priya uh, to to come back to um, uh, uh, do his reading and writing for him. But Max is, is this brilliant mind. So you know, but but his mind is a whirling 
dervish of images, which by the end of each, of each episode, he's found the clue amongst the, the, the tornado of clues mm -hmm. in his mind. And then, then another uh, thing I brought, I brought to it, my, my, my youngest son and my father are both deaf. Uh, and I really wanted to write initially a deaf character into my story for the opening episode. And I pitched them um, a, a deaf character as a, a, a returning character. So um, Peter had this character called Ashley Wilton, who was the chief forensic officer. And so I, 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 I wrote her in the pilot as a deaf character. And then uh, we, we were lucky to get um, Sophie Stone to play her. But that, but that's really the, the um, Peter had done all the all the legwork before I came on board. And uh, it was already it, it was like uh, jumping on, on board a, a, a rocket primed for, for takeoff because I've never had such a short period between coming on board a project and suddenly talking about green lights. It, it wow. was like a matter of months. So that, 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 that's never going to happen again. So uh, <laughs> <are> the... <laughs> I, I'm happy for yeah, that. We did, we did then have, we did then, then have COVID. Then, the then, then COVID. Yeah, exactly. Then, yeah. Uh, then everything paused for two years almost. Yeah. <laughs> did it, it, did it delay production? Is that what happened? Uh -huh. we, we were going to oh, okay. be in uh, production in September, I think of July, no, of 20, 20, and we ended oh. up filming in April of 21. So, yeah, maybe a nine-month delay down to COVID, which is, as exactly as Clem said, this project went from kind of conception to uh, kind of, you, you know, getting writing to green light more smoothly than most do. Um, and, you know, when we took when we took it to Acon, they immediately liked it. Then we took it yep. to ZDF in Germany. They immediately liked it. They've been incredibly supportive. There's also, I should say, Ben, another member of the well, another member of the team, absolutely key member of the team, is our series producer Ella, Ella Kelly, and uh, and she, uh, you know, Ben, sorry, Glenn, uh, uh, Liz, and I all work with her and for her, and she. Um, you, you know, she's the person who sends our scripts back and says, do better. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Always. We, 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 get, you know, we take it and, and we rewrite our drafts until the stories all work. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm interrupting again. You probably want to this. I want to get into that process uh, in a minute. But Liz, let's talk about how you became part of this team and working on the episode. Where Again, where were you at the time and so, uh, how did you get a grasp on it? Well, I came in very late to the project in the sense that um, I knew nothing about it at all. Um, but it, it, I was working on various other things. I was in my headspace was in 1908 you know, America. I was writing something period about the Santa Fe Railroad, yada, 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 all of that stuff. Different world altogether had just finished that and it was in the process of being, you know, out to market. And COVID started, you know, we kept hearing about this coronavirus. And um, so the reason, apart from its brilliance and what a lovely tight team it was, um, it, it also represents my COVID experience at first, um, this show, because honestly, I was, I think, well, certainly my meeting with Peter and Ella, who we've just been talking about, um, was the very last meeting I had before lockdown, before our first lockdown. It was in March 2020. And then 
you know, like literally my first, my last in-person meeting. And I remember walking around thinking of some ideas, pitching some ideas while I was very aware of, you know, not, and you can get hand sanitizer, the whole thing. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I could, yeah, that very visceral experience. Let me, so can I interrupt for just one this. sec? Um, I, I want to dig in on, on something that both you and Glenn mentioned, which is coming into this initial meeting with ideas. And yeah. I wanted to know about what you what you had, what were you basing it on? What kind of information did you have? Did a script exist at that point? When I came into the show, and so in, in that sense, it's probably easier for the people who might be listening to hear that kind of experience because I wasn't involved in the in the genesis of the right. show or the ideas. I was involved, it was an established thing that had been greenlit. So I went for a, you know, a general, I knew they were looking for a writer through my agency for the last very short, very quick turnaround, because at that point, this is March, they were going to be shooting in, you know, summer. So, and they knew, I, I suppose that I could work fairly quickly. I'm reasonably experienced, whatever. Um, and obviously some sample that I had, they must have liked. Um, and then, so in terms of the process of ideas, we just talked about the show a bit at the meeting and, and you know, things that we had done. And um, I was able to read the scripts. Um, I, I was sent away with this, the two scripts that existed. In fact, I think it was only Glenn's first episode was, was in script form. I think the second episode was still being written and Peter's third episode was only in storyline form mm. at that stage. So it was only, in a, you know, as a sort of a scene by scene. But it was enough and we talked about the characters. And so really it's coming up with a, you know, a, a, a complex enough, uh, convoluted, but characterfully um, compelling 90 minute story. And the, the tricky thing about, you know, a, a, a format like this, where you have core characters who appear in, in each episode, but each episode is self-contained with the story. You, you you only sort of skirt over, you don't go home with the characters all the time. It's really about the story of the week, which is a 90 minute thing. So given that the, the thing that you return to is the core characters, it, the challenge is to make a 90 minute crime story compelling enough when you are never gonna see these characters again. So you have yeah. to care about the characters. You have to find a way of, of establishing the characters in such a way, whether they're rotten to the core or whether they're complex or whether they're resonant of one of your core characters. You have to care because who, you, you know, if you're never going to see them again and you don't manage to dig, you, the format is not such that you dig down into the core characters and how it impacts on them, right. then the only thing you can really try and do is make sure that that is a compelling story and so that's I would say the challenge really rounded complex characters that make you think and that you are compelled to watch even though you know and a, and a crime story that's got enough of a twist it's 90 minutes it's not it's not an hour and it's not an ITV hour you know commercial um so yeah it, it's got to have enough twists and turns and you know emotional connection that you care Let's um, talk about the collaborative effort. You mentioned getting uh, notes from your producer, Ella, and rewriting scripts. Um, and, and, you know, it, with the uh, British writers I've talked to in the past, it all seems very siloed. Uh, writers go off on their own. They write their script 
and then sort of bring it back and never really talk to other writers. It seems like the three of you have talked to each other, which is great. But what was the process like? And, and did that all just come at the beginning or was it all at the end? How did it happen? Yeah, no, it's a very, it's a really good point. I mean, we, um, yeah, we wrote our own scripts, mm -hmm. um, uh, but we, you know, where Ella comes in, and we also had a really, really good script editor, um, uh, and and kind of an overview um, that I had certainly, and Glenn, I think, you know, we we were all a very collaborative team here. Yeah, we wanted both to create four episodes that had had their own flavor in their own world. Uh, the way Liz just described, it, it's really good. You know, you've got to you've got to you've got to inver invest emotionally in the guest characters as well as the regular characters. We knew we mm -hmm. wanted to go home with the two main characters, Max and Priya, so that we had their um, you know, Astrid as Max's estranged wife and Nitin, who's Priya's husband, a, a baby, um, and so we wanted to do all that. But we wanted to have four distinctive films that had their own flavor, and yet. We, you know, it was very important that anybody watching them could say, this is all part of the same series. Uh, and there's a light kind of serial element going on there, but not, you You, you know, we're, very, this, we're making this for the streaming age. So we tend to think in terms of episodes one, two, three, and four. Um, but of course, in the streaming age, you just watch things in any episode you like. The first episode, which Glenn wrote, uh, is an introductory episode. There's an element of exposition about it. Priya's come mm -hmm. back from maternity leave. But if I'm honest, after that, you should be able to and rightly be able to jumble them all up in any order that you like. Yeah, and I think sense. from here on in a second and third series, that's how we were. These, these are standalone, closed-ended, 90-minute stories. Um, and 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 I think uh, I think Glenn was saying this, that's one of the appeals. There's not enough of those around at the moment. There's a lot of television. Uh, there's a lot of television, I think, that is kind of eight parts when maybe four would do, you know, television has gone long, it's gone big. Um, and the satisfying thing of an hour and a half, which, you know, in your evening, when you've had your evening meal, and you say you want to watch something with substance, but you don't want to be still watching at two o'clock in the morning. Um, these, the, you know, this is a, a kind of form that I think audiences find deeply satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm going to say something there. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I was going to say about the uh, um, the the process of writing it that uh, yeah we, we all went off in our own little silos. In my case, a shed, and uh, <laughs> and and write it on our own. And uh, but we we were we were very good as, uh, uh, during the pandemic. We we would have um, uh, regular meetings on Zoom. Um, between the three of us and, and the uh, producer Ella and the script editor Sophia to talk about the tone mm -hmm. of the series and and agree certain rules. So we're going to go home with these characters. We're not going to go home with these characters. You know, uh, talking about the personal lives of, of all the characters, making sure we have the uh, uh, continuity acro across the series. And uh, all, all, all three of us as writers all uh, uh, contributed to that it felt like a really uh, uh, collaborative process and peter was yeah. great to 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 give us um you know to open the door to ideas so if we wanted to uh, uh, uh come up with a you know a, a storyline for for priya and knitting 
or, or maybe tinker and, and think about uh, a serial storyline, then we would, would dis, uh, discuss it. But from those discussions about the tone and the rules of the series, mm. we agreed to yeah. treat it as, as four uh, uh, feature-length episodes, four self-contained uh, uh, feature films. Yeah, and with um, with that same kind of um, sentiment, you know, that without sounding sicky, as they say, um, we it was a strange kind of collaboration because it was on. It really was just lockdown as soon as we started talking, yep. you know, like this. But um, but I never felt, and I have worked on multiple shows where there is a story team that sort of manages one side and the other, you know, the mm-hmm. production and yet. And I, although production was delayed, et cetera, et cetera, I, it never felt that way. You felt like the, you know, the people giving the notes and sometimes that would be us, not notes per se, but sharing an idea and saying, perhaps that's not right for that episode, but it could go, you know, you don't get really ownership yep. wise of your, you own your story and you take responsibility for your story and you fight for your story. But at the same time, it is one harmonious kind of um, family of scripts. But yeah, it, I never felt um, that I couldn't just ask a question or that there was this, I, I didn't, I couldn't argue back or push back on a note, that there was this sort of anonymous note giver translated through a story department and then spat out the other end with a solution right. that you're supposed to accommodate, which can so often happen. And if, if you yourself, the writer, the one who is you know, supposed to be expert at that, can talk to the people giving the notes. That's, I'm sure many writers would agree, incredibly fruitful <laughs> and yeah, saves yeah. time. I think it helped, Ben, that um, uh, we had such supportive commissioning broadcasters as well. Um, yeah. uh, both Acorn and ZDF and BBC Studios, there are three parties, but Acorn, in a sense, is the senior party and obviously it's on Acon in America but the German broadcaster ZDF commissioning a, a British um, uh, a British television series and by the way which had one effect on the on the lineup of, uh, of, of central uh, regular characters which was that uh, Max's wife was originally French she was called Monique <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> um, but Wolf, Wolfgang from ZDF very politely said, Do, would we mind, since he was you know, paying for part of it, would we mind if she became German? And I thought, well, actually, I think that's more interesting. It's more unusual. And, in in, in, you know, French can take you into certain cliches. That, that um, So, again, this is a very kind of harmonious thing. But the, the effect of having very trusting broadcasters who kind of understood what the show was and what we were trying to achieve, I think, it kind of filters down that, and I think, you know, what you were just saying, Liz and Glenn, reflects this, that we didn't have to pass on to you any paranoia or any, any you know, battle taking place elsewhere mm. about what this show should be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that I don't think that does happen all the time. I think that's, that's a lovely thing when it does happen. We had a shared vision of it from... Uh, you, you know, Acon and ZDF and the BBC through you know, to us, to Ella, to Sophia. The uh, you know whether, whether we were then going to realise the vision was was a different thing. But I think we knew what we wanted the Chelsea Detective to be and what we wanted to be. Um, uh, and then, you know, absolutely crucially, of course, uh, we we needed to you know cast it and find. Uh, actors who who could bring you, you know these characters that just existed on the page and in our head to life and make them three dimensional characters. 
Um, uh, and again, that 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 went really well, but it, that didn't lead to uh, uh, friction. Um, uh, they came on board because they, the key characters, the regular characters, saying, "I get this person." You know, Adrian Scarborough said, "I know who Max is," um, and I can only say, we, we, you know, when I first thought of Max, uh, as Glenn was saying, he had a touch of Columbo to him, unprepossessing guy. You know, when he walks into a room, heads don't turn. In fact, people might think, "Who's that guy?" Um, uh, that's the Columboishness of him. <laughs> but uh, you, you, but if you'd said to me at that moment we'd get Adrian Scarborough to play the part, I'd have I'd have just bitten your hand off for it and said yep. he's the perfect Max. Um, and obviously, you know, I think that's an absolutely key uh, part of the appeal of the. Uh, of of the series, you know, he, he's he's a well known actor here in the UK, maybe less in the US, but he's been in some brilliant things like Killing Eve and and so on. Um, uh, but he never played a detective. This is new territory for him, and and so that's a very exciting kind of journey to go on with an actor. And I will, as long as we're talking about Adrian Scarborough, uh, I'll take this opportunity to plug our sister podcast, uh, Household Faces, which I produce. Uh, and our friend John Ross Bowie had a terrific hour-long conversation with Adrian Scarborough about many of the roles that he has played, um, including a great chat about Chelsea Detectives. So I'd urge folks oh, to check that out. Oh, that's great I just oh, have to pick you up fantastic. on something there, Ben. You say Adrian Scarborough. We say Adrian Scarborough. <laughs> I, this is a, a name-dropping anecdote, um, but you can cut out if you like. I once had, um, I once had lunch with Al Gore, your one-time uh, vice president. This is when I was working at the BBC, and a group of people, including uh, including David Attenborough, the very, very, very famous um, uh, presenter of wildlife uh, uh, wildlife films, and Al Gore introduced him to the to the group of people as David Attenborough, um, uh, rather like Simon and Garfunkel talk about Scarborough Fair, <laughs> with slightly different, pronun- different pronunciation of it, but hey, we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> nice Al Gore name job. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I will say. That was that impressive, Peter. Him. I'll tell you what, Liz, he won't remember me, but I can remember him. <laughs> and there Peter, were, I... People around the table, it wasn't just me and Al. Peter, I don't want to embarrass you, but we say Al Gurr. Finch Ham. Peter Finch Ham. Who yeah, would yeah. dare? Come on. <laughs> We're trying to get Peter to change his name to something involving a body of water because we just yeah, really yeah. do. L- lakes lakes Um, I want to ask one specific writing question of all of you. And Liz, you you mentioned, you know, the. it seems like this was such a uh, harmonious, as you say, uh, uh, work environment. But Liz, you mentioned the real challenge came in the storytelling and creating a mystery that was compelling enough, these other characters that you were invested in enough, uh, as well as serving the lead characters. So I wanted to ask each of you, when it came to writing your episode, let's really dig in and talk about how you surmounted those challenges. How did you find your way to any one of them, uh, to answer to the answer uh, of any one of them? And Liz, let's start with you. For me, um, it, it was a fine, well, it, it helped to know that 
certain things had already been covered um, in the type of crime. So I knew I was looking for something that was in a particular world. But for me, if you're good, you're kind of structural about it, you can be as clever as you like about who the twist was, you know, who, who did it. But it's no good if you, A, haven't met them reasonably you know enough it, no, no no viewer wants to be conned it has to be somebody you have seen before and you hope that you wouldn't have guessed and you hope that there are multiple other suspects but you know in order to make them the murder something emotionally resonant um you have to understand that character or what has driven them enough within that, that framework um, and I'm much less interested in somebody that bashes somebody over the head because they were, it was a burglary, you know, or, or, you know, a robbery. I, that might be one element of it, but if I'm going to write it, I want to know what drove that person to that. And, you know, what is the story behind the burglary? In fact, in my, my episode, I don't, we, I suppose we're not doing spoilers here because I don't know who will have seen it or not, but. The, my episode revolved around an international school and I myself went to inter an international school having had a sort of, you know, nomadic life because of my father's job and grew up in New York, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I knew what that felt like and I was able to dig into the experience of um, a, a, a kid at an international school, parents of kids who, you know, wife of you know, had a teacher who's constantly moving around or, or a diplomat who's constantly moving around or somebody who works for the, for the military, you know, it, it's a complicated world underneath the kind of veneer of, you know, a privileged education. Um, and it, it, of course, which sits quite comfortably in, in the world of, of um, Chelsea. Um, but it's all that, for me, it's scratched the surface and find out what the motive is, what the emotional mo motive is, not just, you know, I wanted some money, because that's really dull. 90 minutes and somebody wants some money? <laughs> sure, that's... At least I want to know what drove them to need that money so much for the heart transplant for their, you know, right. la la la, right? Dog day afternoon. That yeah. wasn't just, you know, that's that's what I'm looking for in everything is is what the emotional kind of um, thing that just makes you go, oh man, you know, I can see why that might have happened I wouldn't do it but I can really see mm -hmm. why that might have happened sure and and you and also I mean I think it's worth reiterating that you found your own lived experience to draw from yeah. and could find the specificity based on that yeah. experience I haven't actually murdered I'm gonna I'm gonna not for the say record it, for the record I haven't actually murdered anyone but the day is young <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, uh, it, and, and it works. I mean, you, you, you feel the connection to these characters when you watch the episode, uh, Glenn, oh, same question, you know, looking at these challenges for writing this 90 minute feature, basically, this is a movie that you're writing. Yeah. Um, how did you, how did you solve those problems? Well, I've, I felt more, more, more comfortable because, because, because I, I went to film school and cut my teeth writing indie features, then broke in in my 40s writing hour-long TV. So, so, so getting a chance to write a two-hour Vera or, or, or a 90-minute Chelsea, it feels to me as if, I, as if I'm going back to, hmm. to when I started 20 years ago. Um, 
uh, writing feature length. So I, 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 I really like it. I, I, I approach it as a, a, a six act, um, uh, uh, story. So I, 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 I try and break it down in, into six 15 minute acts, which gives me a rough idea of when I need to come up with a twist or, um, uh, a, a pinch, pinch point, um, and I, I, I basically when when I when I'm writing it, I I make lots of notes. I'll spend about about a week or two weeks just just researching the theme or the story. I'll I'll create a, a spider diagram of the victim, so the victim in in the middle of of a blank sheet of paper. Then I write their uh, their personal lives, their their work life. Are they in debt? And 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 slowly. From doing that, I start to uh, um, see the the murder mystery appearing through the fog. So <laughs> that's the, the, and you realize this is exactly what Max does. It, what, what exactly? Say. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what I do. I sit as you plot <laughs> the why, murder. He's solving yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's really I, interesting. I, I, I'm I'm extremely lucky because. Uh, because my wife is a, a, a massive crime fan, and so our um, uh, dinner table is is usually my wife and I discussing inventive ways of disposing of a body or killing someone. Whilst, whilst, whilst my two teenage boys are staring at us, thinking, "Oh my God, what are our mum and dad in, into?" You know. So, oh, yeah, that's just on. It's quite. It's just my my husband is a psychotherapist, and not that that. But you know, there's no question that when I'm thinking about something emotional and I want to make sure that it's authentic in terms of say somebody's you know a fugue because you know that we've all had those experiences and kind of old movies where somebody goes into a meltdown right. but it's it's not it's it's too easy an excuse unless it makes actual sense you know psychological Absolutely. sense yeah it has um, to be grounded yeah and just on the length thing as well I'm just not quite as uh structurally you know meticulous as as that with um as what glenn's saying i i i kind of view it as i'm the viewer and the writer and there comes a point at which as the viewer i need something to happen now mm -hmm. you know more than or mm. i need it it begs that yep. scene begs to cut to that but I'm, i've always wanted to i mean the number of times i've said can we make this hour and 90 minute instead is there any possibility <laughs> or can we make can we have a two hours so like the oh, the 90 minute length for me was um just so lovely to finally be able to breathe because i'm mm. forever cutting myself down yeah um so yeah joyous yeah for sure yeah, it's great it and that is the nice thing uh about this show i mean i think you do it feels very lived in you do you do get to breathe. You get these nice moments of the characters just existing and then getting on with the plot. Um, before we wrap up, uh, Peter, I want to ask about your time at BBC and ITV. Um, and, you know, obviously these must have been huge learning experiences for you, um, as well as huge active experiences for you. But I want to talk about, you know, television in general and and it's a big question so answer it as narrowly as you care to but what have you taken with you from that time that's now helping you to create tv to write and produce tv um oh that's a really good question i mean i i don't think i could have created the chelsea detective without having done those two jobs because they immersed me in what what do you what do you think about when you're 
commissioning and uh, you're mm -hmm. thinking about audiences and you're thinking about what audiences respond to and what they like and I suppose I was in a way kind of walking around from one side of the desk to the other and say maybe I can apply these um, uh, lessons and, and I maybe that's why uh, when it came to pitching out the, the, the Chelsea Detective it got a very you know quite quick and immediate response because I was thinking well what what would be the elements would make me, you know, be interested in something in my old job as a as a commissioner? Um, but having said that, the, uh, the 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 jobs are very very different, you, you know. And, and it was a thing, and I'd spent a decade as a channel controller, and I and eventually thought the trouble is you don't really have all that much connection with anything uh, other than your own schedule. Your you, you you know you 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 to use an analogy, you you push a ship. You're the person who breaks a bottle of champagne on the side of a ship and watches it going down the slipway, but you don't go on the voyage with it. And, yeah. you know, Downton Abbey would be a perfect example of that. I would turn up and see kind of, you know, celebratory events for the success of Downton Abbey and think, well, what did I really do? I read the script and thought it was good, and so I commissioned it. I mean, you know, well, uh, don't, um, don't underplay yeah. that. I mean, taste, no, I know, taste I know. goes I a long way. way too much. I don't, but but, but I, I, I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but... But bit by bit, I thought I would rather be the person on the other side uh, of the fence with more investment um, and and my collaboration with, with Glenn, with Liz, with Ella, with everybody else involved in Chelsea Detective has been a richer experience for me than the experience of commissioning almost anything because, you know, we've been there in the weeds together, yeah. actually making something, bringing it from page to screen, um, so I can only say on a very personal level, it's been a fantastic thing to do. And when, you know, we get, uh, you know, we're here in England, uh, um, but uh, obviously we see a lot of social media reaction from American audiences. Um, and and I, it's just fantastic. I love it. You know, when you see people again, it's, it's like when you realize they see the show that we set out to make and the things yeah. that we thought would 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 work for these people, for, for viewers, they, it turns out they do and they, 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 they love it. And um, I kind of you know, I want to meet them all and shake them by the hand and say, <laughs> right. thank you for watching it. Thank you for watching it. Um, so it's been an immensely uh, satisfying thing, and and uh, um, I don't know whether it says or I've got anything to say about television more widely. I think you know people love good storytelling. I think uh, you know the, the the sort of the, the the things that we hope we I hope we never lost sight of. The characters must be real. The as Liz was talking about, the murders must be. That, that our characters are not people who, they're not serial killers. They're not people who go around murdering for a hobby. They're driven to it by very particular circumstances uh, in almost all cases, certainly all cases so far. They're not going to do it again. They're, 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 but what are those circumstances that could drive somebody to do that? And then yeah. how do Max and Priya and Jess and Connor and the other, um, uh, you know, the, the detective team unlock that mystery that's what that's at the absolute heart of it. I think having watched many, many of these over the years, I think there's a paradox, by the way, is that what we all need to concentrate on when we're writing our episodes is making the plots watertight. They need to sort of work like a Swiss watch. You can't have the audience getting ahead of you and 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 working something out before the plot wants to, you know, reveal it to the audience. And, and while you're watching, that's what you focus on. 
But why do they matter to you and why do you come back to them is probably ultimately more about the characters. To use an example, uh, because uh, um, I commissioned it and Glenn, Glenn wrote for it, when you say I like Vera, do you mean I like Vera the detective series or do you mean I like Vera the character? Well, bit of each, bit of each, and where they're indivisible, and that's 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 a good thing. So making Max and Priya and particular characters with home lives, real three-dimensional lives, addressing the whole issue of work-life balance that so many crime series don't. They just sort of pretend these people live in a world where they don't have lives, but they do have lives and they've got to, you know, balance them with their their their, their work. That was very, very important to us. And, and you know, I, I hope I hope we got it right and I hope we made it feel real as, as you watch. I, I think so. And I will say, I think all of these things that you all cared about going into the series absolutely shows on the screen. So well done. Um, the Chelsea Detective, uh, all episodes of series one are now available wherever you live. <laughs> Let's wrap up as we always do by asking what you are watching on television these days, what's getting you excited or inspired, uh, what are you talking about with your friends, your loved ones, uh, people on the street. Uh, Glenn, let's start with you. Um, I've, I've just finished Hacks, uh, which I know, I know was on uh, on HBO Max and, and it's just mm -hmm. appeared on uh, Amazon Prime here, which I loved. Gene Smart is uh, an absolute joy. Um, and uh, Severance on uh, Apple TV, which... Uh, kept me guessing although i i would echo peter's earlier comment that sometimes nine episodes would make a brilliant <laughs> six episode run there's always that lull around around episodes five and six uh and uh we're currently um going through a tom, a tom hanks marathon and we've just finished greyhound and now we're watching finch which is uh, very very good as well uh, all on uh, on apple that's fun are you uh watching the tom hanks movies with your teenage sons I am, yes. yes. Are they seeing yes. any of these for the first time? They are, yes, yeah. Yeah, we've just watched um, uh, Cast Away for the first mm -hmm. time, and uh, he loved that, and uh, Big. Yeah, mm. yeah. It, That's it, great. It, it's almost, the, 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 the first time we then watched Greyhound, his, my, uh, the, the, the first comment from my youngest was just commenting on on how Tom Tom Hanks had aged <laughs> big. So I had to explain there's a 40 year gap. Sure. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Um, Liz, what are you watching these days? Um, combination of current things, things for work, guilty pleasures, yada yada. Um, so <laughs> Peaky Blinders, I just finished the whole series, the last season, and I absolutely, I was a bit surprised, absolutely adored the last episode. I thought it was a little cinematic masterpiece on its own, that, you know, emotionally, the, the finale. Um, I've just been catching up on a bunch of seasons of Nurse Jackie again, because for something else mm -hmm. that I'm writing, because it's sort of resonant, um, which is just brilliant. Um Tinder Swindler, White Lotus, I loved, I loved, I loved. Um, uh, sex education was um, an absolute revelation to me because, I mean, I watched episode one and sort of covered my eyes and thought, oh, I am a grandmother that is far too foolish for this. Um, and then it kept being mentioned with other things I'm 
you know, refer- yeah. referenced. And I thought I've got to watch this. Um, and you know, once you've got past episode one, which of course wanted to make its full impact to lure people in with as much right. graphic as it could, um, it's brilliant storytelling, brilliant, warm, empathetic, gorgeous storytelling. And I wish I'd written it. Um, hacks, yes, lovely. Um, uh, I may destroy you, joyous. You know, brilliant, brilliant, perfect writing. Um, and of course, all the guilty pleasures. The, the you know the cookery programs so I'm a celebrity get me out of here and the you know the what was the what was the one I watched that was nine perfect strangers nine perfect strangers sure. that, that kind of stuff right I mean no offense nine perfect strangers but but guilty pleasure like really sorry this so is what's, no, what, what, what's nine much? perfect strangers was it nine what's, perfect with a nine or six of them it was Nicole Kidman I think was, maybe it was seven there were a bunch there were a bunch of perfect strangers and it was all about some sort of it was nicole kidman being as sort of like right. ah, yeah. as possible in some semi-culture semi-wellness of place where they were microdosing various brilliantly stunt cast kind of characters i'll let you watch it yourself you will okay. you will go never again and then you'll be on episode two and three before you know it These are, <laughs> that's an incredibly well-rounded list liz i appreciate that was great uh peter what are you watching these days uh this is a great question because it's so revealing because we we're all watching different things and i wouldn't have known you, you know well, well when, when we started this podcast i was halfway through watching uh, the second episode of the second series of a series we make called Clarkson's Farm, which I'm the executive producer oh. of. Um, so I'm watching that because that's my job to, to watch. <laughs> yeah. But that won't be out for a while and I can't tell you anything about what's in it. But okay. what have I been watching lately? I've been watching We Crashed. Um, uh, I've been watching The Dropout. I watched Pam and Tommy. Um, oh, I yeah. kind of like some of those true life dramas. But them. actually there is a there is a caveat in this. There's a there's a rash at the moment of dramas based on podcasts. Um, and if you've heard the podcast first, the drama's going to be really good because you know where the story's going. Now, mm. if you take uh, um, uh, both uh, the dropout, uh, in fact, all of those, the dropout, Pam and Tommy, um, and uh, um, We Crash, They've all got such fantastic casts that actually that gets you over that. But I deep down, I prefer fictional drama because you don't know where it's going and you don't know what the twist is. Um, but those, I mean, those are very, you know, you know, streaming, you know, the kind of Amazon Apple type shows. They are very, very good. I've started Severance, Glenn, but I haven't, I've only done one episode. Uh, and what am I going? Oh, I know what I've, I'm, I'm in the middle of. Shit, so I just turned on Clarkson's film there. <laughs> I said I had a cockerel. It's, it's on my computer. It wasn't just, a cockerel. That's my mistake. Um, I'm just reading the book that on which Dope Sick is. is um, mm. uh, I started watching Dope I don't know if anybody else ever does this. I started watching Dope Sick. I got about two episodes in and I thought, I don't know enough about this. So I'm now reading the book, Empire of Pain. It's a fantastic book. And when I finish the book, I think I'll enjoy the rest of the series. That's um, um, uh, but that, I mean, in all cases, those are very high quality series with brilliant costs. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of other things I'll watch, but that's enough. That's a quick, those those are great answers. Quick shout out to, for, for something I missed because it's, but, but the 
my favorite form of drama, actually, my real, like, I can't wait to watch it, is a really, really good docudrama, uh, doc, making a murderer, you know, serial, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. When it's yeah, really yeah. brilliantly done, even mm. if you think you know what's coming and what's happened, what what the thing is, the it, the things that you didn't know, and there's nothing, I mean, the editing of those things is, that's drama genius. You have to understand to make it so compelling when you already know kind yeah. of what the outcome is. Um, and the character, yeah, th- those are my really favourite things. To watch. You, you fact, don't Glenn, usually you just... get that in the UK because what you've got in America is access and footage mm-hmm. that we just don't have. <laughs> Cameras aren't it's really true. allowed into courtrooms in the UK. No. So therefore, oh. what you get, and I saw Making a Murderer, what you get that stitches it all together is this footage, which is mm-hmm. amazing, incredible. Um, but, you, you know, we just, we can't do it here. Well, the, killer, the, the killers, what was it called? The keepers, the, about the nun that was, oh, you know, yeah. the, things like oh, that. I like that, that one. Just yeah. Unbelievably yeah. moving. I, you know? By yeah. the way, Liz, I totally agree with you about the tinderless window. There seems to be to be a rash of con man or con person yeah. uh, series at the moment. But if they're as well told as that, they are absolutely fantastic. Have you yeah. seen the, um, uh, the one about the Russian oligarch and the posh lady it's almost uh i'm, I'm not I've forgotten its title but it is <laughs> that's a good like title of chelsea detective because she lives in chelsea and she's this very kind of cut glass um she's actually russian by descent she's um uh called tolstoy and then she gets involved with the russian oligarch um uh what is you it send called? that in an email I'm <laughs> dying to see it it's, <laughs> a, it's an amazing story and it starts with the very shots that we start to episode of Chelsea. Yeah. So Liz, I, I don't want to keep you all, but I am curious to hear, I mean, after hearing all of the television that you're watching, these are all American shows. For the most part, you've listed American shows. What's well, going on in British television? Well, yeah. Well, Peaky <laughs> Blinders sort of. isn't, is it? Peaky Blinders. Sure, Peaky Blinders, Peaky... Sex Education. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, let's face it, America comes out with an absolutely, you know, HBO and, and the the kind of show running um, legacy mm-hmm. has produced some of the best television, the best television drama that, that you know, and authored drama, which really, when you've got a series, you know, the Breaking Bads of this world, my, I've gone blank for anything current, but there are, of course, mm-hmm. a million things that I have watched oh, since I Breaking what, Bad and... Reacher. Have you seen Reacher? Anybody seen Reacher? <laughs> Absolutely. I thought fantastic. Reacher was no, it's not my thing. It's Have really fun. It's not my thing either, but uh, that guy is very my, large. Honestly, sure, right? You know? It's not my thing in any way yeah. at all. If it was a book and I was judging it by the cover, I wouldn't have picked it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think that's yeah. what it is. I'm sure it's so brilliant. But... Well done. And the have you seen it, Glenn? Reacher. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I loved it. But I loved it. it Ben, in it reminded question, me of the. Oh, it sorry, just going to the great, the great. That's what's going on in British drama as well. The great oh, was superb. The great again. Good. I wished I'd written it. It was yeah. just. And yeah. uh, 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 slow, slow horses. The Gary Oldman mm-hmm. show on Apple Apple TV. I, I, I'm watching that at the moment, which is fantastic. A uh, 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 similar reaction to uh, yeah. Peter that after watching a couple of episodes, I then went out and bought the the book. <laughs> which, which is going to be the next story to read ahead of watching it because because it's so so good that's just, great yeah. just a real kind of ensemble uh character uh, uh spy thriller 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know the standouts are there, but and and the great is for sure one of them, and sex education is for sure one of them. Yeah. But is it like is it just that we have more money to throw at these things, and we're making more series with more money? So it like I, I don't it's a numbers so, game. Uh, I think I think maybe because we're talking to you and you're in America, we're all thinking about <laughs> American series. We love. I, I watch I lots of British series, and, British. and I think right. I think British television. But I hope I hope we, you know what you might take away from this is that in order to make television that you want other people to love, you have to really love television. You have to really have uh, a love yeah. for it and enthusiasm yeah. for it, and, and I hope you know that that's um, I hope that transmits itself into. Yeah. Chelsea, which is why Chelsea Tech, which is why when we get feedback from people who are loving it, it's so great. It's lovely. There, there is something I could say about that whole why UK US thing, but it might be one of those moments where I call you in a sweaty panic in the day and say, you know that <laughs> bit that you said with your career is doomed. <laughs> I, I, I do think there's a process to writing where, you know, if you are doing a whole series of of, and I'm, I don't mean this kind of you know self-contained episodes, yeah. but a are really you know the kind of the freedom to have it or to, to the freedom to show on it whether whatever that means or the authorship of it and the one vision that's that's trusted is um so helpful and really most of those things that we've mentioned that are British that just really make you hmm. a wonderful dramas tend to have you know the, the ability the showrunner stroke writer stroke producer however mm-hmm. you want to call it and has been able to translate has had the support to translate that vision you know, and with as a one vision instead of being interfered with by numerous other forces. Can I just say, none of us have mentioned succession. That's a oh great my god, and that, oh, yeah, that's brilliant. That's, and that is like ex- we're, take, we're taking it for granted because everybody. Loves that's it. true. That is a and prime example of that process. That's got a completely British genesis, and mm-hmm. I think there's another thing that's worth saying about that, which is that is a drama. But it's a drama made by people with a comedy background. Uh, Jesse Armstrong, of course, who wrote Peep yeah. Show, co-wrote Peep Show, and and I, my my background is is in comedy as much as it's in drama over many many years. And you know, in the nineties, I made shows like Alan, I'm Alan Partridge and things like that, and worked with Sasha Baron Cohen, people like that. And I, and I think that's a fact. It's true of Killing Eve. It's true of a lot of things. Where the um, uh, where the borderline is between. Um, drama and comedy is where very interesting stuff happens. Now, yeah. you know, we, the, the Chelsea Detectives is a drama, it's a serious drama, tells serious stories, but by having, uh, by casting Adrian Scarborough with very much a comedy background and, and making sure that it breathes in a comedic level as well, it, it, yeah. it's not po-faced, it's not humorless. Yeah. I'm not such a fan of drama that really, in a sense, is, to, is just totally and utterly serious in both ways. I like drama where there's a thread of comedy in it. And, I, and, I, and, and so a lot of the choices I would have mentioned, have mentioned, they've all got that, I think. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. And I think like we're we're in a time now where that line between genres, whether it's comedy and drama, whether it's, you know, different kinds of uh, film TV genres like science fiction and horror and what have you, uh, mystery can blend a little bit, and I think it's giving us richer, richer material. Um, we're going to leave it there. Um, you all have been terrific. I would love to chat even longer. I feel like we're we've barely scratched the surface. Listen, you've got my email. Send me an email. Come back on this show, please, anytime. <laughs> Congrats on the show. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thank you. Forever. Yeah.
Dog! This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.